It's kind of like surgery, but for metallic objects, if that makes sense. So yeah, non-organic material. This is Lock and Code, a Malwarebytes podcast. I'm your host, David Reese. Our main story today is about hacking. Earlier this month, I attended the cybersecurity conference Black Hat, held in Las Vegas at the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Black Hat is a multi-day affair that includes presentations from hackers, researchers, and company cybersecurity experts who present information on, for instance, vulnerabilities found in satellites, or strategies in red teaming an entire smartphone to better improve its security. This sprawling conference held across three to four floors with attendance in the tens of thousands is actually just one piece of a larger um, security festival held across one entire week in the same city. Before Black Hat, there is the conference B-Sides, and after Black Hat, there is the conference DEFCON, which is where our focus lies. On the main stage at DEF CON, one hacker showed how he got into the smart device panel on a John Deere tractor and managed to play the 1990s video game Doom on it. Immediately, you might think, why run a video game on a tractor and why Doom? Aside from the fact that it is objectively funny, the video game Doom has a sort of hacker reputation in that it's almost a challenge to try and install the game on anything that has a display. Clever coders have managed to get Doom to run on, and these are all true, a graphing calculator, an old iPod Nano, do you remember those? An ATM, the MacBook Pro's touch bar, and a pregnancy test. Obviously, running Doom on a tractor is, <laughs> yeah, it's a trip, okay, yeah. But running Doom on a tractor is important to a growing community that cares deeply about something called the right to repair. Right to repair enthusiasts want to simply be able to easily repair the things that they own. It sounds like a simple ask, right? But when's the last time you repaired your own iPhone? When's the last time you were even able to replace the battery yourself on your smartphone? The right to repair your equipment without intervention from an authorized dealer is hugely important to some farmers. If their tractor breaks down because of a software issue, they don't want to wait around for someone to have to physically visit their site to fix it. They want to be able to fix it then and there and get on with their work. So when a hacker shows off that he was able to do something that wasn't thought possible on a device that can be notoriously difficult to self-repair, it garners attention. And here's the fun part about today's episode. We know this hacker. Last year, we spoke with a fellow named Sick Codes about his and fellow hackers' efforts into prying apart the data operations center behind much of John Deere's smart agricultural equipment. 
As we learned in that episode, smart agriculture is a huge business. An enormous number of tractors and combines and farming equipment in general have a smart aspect to them, controlled by computers that can program sowing patterns and reaping schedules and literal paths that the equipment takes on certain days of the week. We also learned that all of that movement also creates data, the locations of smart agricultural equipment, the versions of the software that equipment is running, the device owners, the device owners' usernames and passwords, their login history, the names of the farms they are associated with, all of it is being collected. And as we finally learned in that last episode, it is being collected and stored in data centers that are not super secure today. We are revisiting a lot of that equipment because we once again have sick codes on our show and he has once again shown that you can do something on a smart piece of agricultural equipment that we didn't know you could do. Sick recently spoke at the cybersecurity and hacking conference DEFCON in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago and we've brought him on today to talk about what he showed off, what it means for the world food supply and for farmers, and how he did it. Sick, welcome back to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me back. It's been great. Yeah, yeah. Happy to have you back, man. Like I said, you were at DEF CON recently, and unfortunately, I could not make it. I had COVID. Um, But it is a good chance to check in, and I wanted to just kind of get right into it, right? As I was saying at the top of the show, right, last year, you had a group of hackers. You showcased a ton of work about the insecurities of, like, the data systems used by several smart agricultural companies, one of which was John Deere. We focused on quite a bit. What was your focus for this year? Essentially, what were you trying to do or to prove? Yeah, so basically, I got an email late last year from a guy who was angry at me. We had this discussion just after DEF CON last year. And I think it was from one of the tuning communities where they mod you know, they upgrade the horsepower in a, in a vehicle and, and whatnot and actually get extra money's worth out of the engine, even though the same engine, the manufacturer literally just turns down the ECU, especially on tractors too. Like there are literally John Deere tractors where there's 100 horsepower difference and they are the, exactly the same model. So of course, there's a community of those people and they mod stuff. And one guy reached out, he was furious at me. He's like, what do you think you're doing? You know, like he started, like he was going around at other people's blogs saying like, Fury. I was like, hang on, let, let me hear this guy out. Um, he never replied, obviously, but I, I took on what he said, kind of like a semi-personal way in that I wanted to hear what he had to say. And he basically told me what I already knew, which was the right to repair part of it is quite different to the cybersecurity part in that tractors and whatnot, like if we help John Deere fix bugs, some communities hate that. They're going to be furious, even though it's literally shooting themselves in the foot because they're like, okay, I'd rather be insecure. But then again, you got to think about what people's motives are, they're moving for money, et cetera, et cetera. But what I realized is, well, even if this guy's wrong or right, I'm just going to do some cool shit this year. And the main takeaway was I'm going to make this talk applicable to anybody who eats food. And that kind of uses everyone. So that should be fine. That's everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that's everyone. Really quick, you said, you know, like, this fellow was upset and you said there is a community out there, the right to repair community that is like they prefer to be cyber secure, like cyber insecure, right? What is all of that? Yeah, I was going to say it's that? not necessarily preference, but some of the individuals that are like anti-securing deer because they use the some of the things the deer has, you know, holes in to their advantage kind of sort of thing. 
Um, kind of like what I did at DEF CON. <laughs> so it's like, ille- allegedly, by the way. And it was like, <laughs> basically, I jailbroke the John Deere tractor and played Doom on it. So I was able to <laughs> jailbreak John Deere's tractors and play games on them in front of John Deere. And I didn't tell anyone beforehand. I told a few select individuals who would be like sort of uh, the referee in terms of whether or not that would get a rise out of the audience. But I had no idea there was going to be such a meteoric rise. <laughs> like it was world news. So it was bizarre. I've never experienced that before. But very fun yeah. too. I love that uh, that like headline takeaway, right? Like you you jailbroke, uh, jailbreaked. I don't actually know what the correct like past tense is. I'm going to Jailbroken fine. So jailbreak. Jailbreak, yeah. jailbreaking or something. I don't know. You did that um, <laughs> to uh, to a John Deere tractor, uh, smart tractor, and you played games on it, right? And we'll get to that. We'll get to like the game that you played because it has like such a reputation of like being a thing that you run on devices. But like when you say you, you know, you jailbroke into a, a John Deere tractor, what did you do? Like what, like what, <laughs> what does that mean? Well, it's kind of like surgery, but for metallic objects if that makes sense so non-organic material and it's like hit and miss you know there's so many mistakes that you can come across i kind of made the theme of the talk never give up because i had so many this took me like a year like it was like drilling threaded whatever called strip screws out of holes you know accidentally overriding flash memory instead of reading from it you know snapping chips in half accidentally and having to buy a whole brand new unit burning stuff heating legs off chips I'm talking about um <laughs> and then just like just having markup after markup and I'm like just trudging along over the course of a year and then a couple of weeks earlier it was like defcon was coming up I'm like you know I was pretty close to getting some stuff kind of done and I thought to myself well there's something pretty close to being able to do here and I'm like well I've got some stuff taken off the board in terms of the flash memory and I've been editing the the OS and inspecting it um allegedly editing it by the way there's a whole range of John Deere displays, but the most popular one is the 2630. It's a Windows CE one. It's end of life. Could you believe it? And that literally runs the food supply chain, which is kind of tragic, right? Uh, it end of life in 2022, February, and it's been around for about nine years, I think. So can you imagine- so the, this is- Yeah. Sorry, this is like a- This is like a- When you say a display panel, like there's just a, literally that. It's a display panel and it's running a version of Windows that's been- That's already gone through the end of life? That's right. Yeah. Windows CE. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Okay. That's the baseline. That's correct. Uh, it's like 200 points. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, they can't really fix it though. It's kind of like they added connectivity and that kind of make me you know, opens up a whole avenue of stuff of benefits, but also obvious negatives, but that's not really the main problem. I mean, people can crack the window. You can like, you can boot off a bloody USB on that and it should be fine. But like, there was one model that is coming up in terms of this model is the latest model, but it's only in the people with the most money who have the most, you know, they've got the flagship tractors, the flagship combines, sprayers, harvesters, whatever. They all have the same display, right? And actually, in some cases, they have the old display because they don't have the new one. So literally, factory floor ones are coming up with the old display. But uh, the new display, and I thought, well, that one's going to be the hand-me-down of ag in terms of... Um, after the fleet generation, they'll give it to the everyday farmer generation who have the current model. So it's kind of like, yeah, the, the evolution one, but we're talking stuff that's going to be used in nine years from now. Like that's kind of weird when you think about it. like the generation of a, of a farm device is so long and it's not because farmers are dumb or anything like that. They don't like change. It's because they don't like change during harvest season and stuff like that. They don't want problems. 
and that's actually smart. It's smarter than updating an iPhone every year and having that many, like iPhone, th- you know, like, oh, look at all these RCEs that are all over the news at the moment. It makes perfect sense. It sounds like you're saying that they don't want to introduce change because change could happen. Like they don't want to introduce change during harvest season because that's when, like everything needs to happen as smoothly as possible at that time. Plus there's not necessarily any benefits other than a color screen and a couple other things. In the newest version, they've kind of tried to add a few whiz-bang features like Wi-Fi, which is disabled by default, and Bluetooth, which is just added risk. You know, there's no real reason they needed to use that. They should have just put a Wi-Fi module in there and actually turned it on because you have to put in a USB one, but we'll talk about that later as well. But yeah, it was just like, it was kind of like an adventure of me just going through it on my own, in my own time, in just my apartment in um, Thailand, just cruising along, jailbreaking this device as I go, and then bringing it to the US and um, demonstrating it. And it was kind of like, I think I learned a lot during it, more than I'd ever known about farming. And I'm not even a farmer. And there's farmers out there that have been reaching out nonstop since like, with really interesting inquiries that I'm sure John Deere would love to hear about. But um, reliability is just so important in farming that is it a cardinal sin to actually be using Windows CE? Well, I'd say no, because the benefit massively outweighs the risk involved with Windows CE ones, because you can't remotely jailbreak Windows CE. It doesn't even have networking properly, but you can USB stuff to it, if you know what I mean. What did you consider, like, because you said this took like a year, right, of you just, you know, trying things and trying things and trying things. When did you know you had like succeeded? Like, you were like, yep, this is it. I got it. This is ready to go. I think the biggest thing was uh, I had a source code request from Deer last year that went through and I got the OS type. And what I mean by the OS, I wanted to know what they were running and it was WinRiver 8. So I downloaded a couple of WinRiver 8s. I booted one in QEMU and I was like, well, this is going to be fun. Not only is it Red Hat based, right? So it you know, runs RPMs, I can install whatever I want, theoretically. But the other part of it is it's also open source. So you can download WinRiver 8 off the Wind River website. Now there's a couple of little arms export stuff in there that they're kind of like trying to shove around it because it's kind of like a serious OS. It's used in the F22, the F18, the F35, and the F, like wow. it's used in okay. literally yeah, Stinger missiles and all that stuff. The Linux that you find in intercontinental ballistic missiles is the Linux that Wind River makes, which is cool in a sense, wow. right? It's cool to see that and know that what yeah. what's actually running in there, but it's also kind of like. <laughs> Yikes, you know. <laughs> it's cool in a sense. Yeah, that's I know exactly what you mean. Because <laughs> you were really like when you're growing up, you're like when you're growing up playing Call of Duty, you're wondering like, oh, I wonder what Linux is in those stinger missiles. Well, it's Wind River Linux. So it was kind of like, yeah, I was just trudging along, pulling out the software. And then eventually I got a card reader. So I got a card reader for the BJ100 chip, which is a form factor that's rarely in use now uh, you can only buy second-hand chips off like aliexpress and stuff like that but which i do have some off by the way with data on them as well but the os i you know pulled it off desoldered it with a hot air gun cleaned it up put in the reader dumped this firmware off it and you know started inspecting it because i wanted to have a look at it because it's kind of like here's this john deere device that i bought off some italian fella on, on ebay and um you know i own it so i might as well have a look at it right And um, I kind of got to this stage where it's like, I actually broke the device and I'll tell you how I broke it, right? You won't believe this. The device itself has a mechanism where if you reboot the device 10 times in a row without it fully completing some sort of flag where it says like, hey, I booted, it will literally not reboot without the dealer present. It goes into dealer authentication mode. You must be a dealer to bypass that. 10 reboots. Think about that. Oh my God. (laughs) That's not a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's so easy to get into. And you're like, 
Can you imagine the reliability factor of a farmer coming from like, you could just turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off. Imagine like yeah. doing like diagnosing a problem with the engine and you just flick in and off, on and off. And then lo and behold, you turn it on. Oh, great. Now the bloody <laughs> display's gone too. You ring up the dealer and the dealer's like, all right, it'd be, you know, X hundred dollars to come out, X hundred dollars to fix it, X hundred dollars to bloody, you know. And this is during right. times when stuff's got to come out of the ground. Like it's just sitting there. Yeah. Time's money. But yeah, so I ended up getting pi- bypassing that screen. So yeah, ended up bypassing that screen. Uh, a fellow in Brazil, uh, I won't mention his name, but because he, you know, he probably doesn't want to get stalked like I do um, by John Deere, but um, which I don't mind by the way, because it's kind of flattering and I know what they're up to. But uh, yeah, it's like, I got this text file in there, dealerauth.txt with a capital A, and you can just get past the deal screen. So yeah, to any farmers out there listening that have got that, system recovery mode page where it says you please contact your local dealer which by the way my local dealer is like 1500 kilometers away <laughs> it's not even a real dealer it's like a reseller in thailand but yeah you've got to get uh, that text file lets you bypass that page and then you can factory reset your device which should be standard procedure like as if farmers couldn't factory reset the devices what do they think the reason deer put that code in there right the only reason they put this safety mechanism 10 reboot bs which i've never seen any other system in my life is because they don't trust their own code to reboot 10 times in a row. There must be something wrong. And um, it's kind of unfortunate. It's fortunate that I've actually bypassed that screen now and everyone can do that too. I think it's stock. I think you can do it because there is a system recovery partition that seems to be read-only. And I think D won't be able to patch that one. You've been talking a lot right about these displays and about this like authenticator code. Help me understand what these displays are because uh, I've, I've seen them refer to quite a bit. Like you said, this was covered quite a bit, again, as a story in local media and worldwide media in the past like week or so. And all of that coverage was about these two models of John Deere tractor control touchscreen like consoles. And th- those models are called the 2630 and the 4240. Can you just help me understand as much as possible, right? What are these consoles? What do they do? Yeah, sorry for the slang, but yeah, the 2630 is just the second generation display. What I mean by display is tablet, right? It's literally just a fat tablet that John Deere puts in the front of the tractor. Now, it doesn't even have capacitive touch. It's, it's, it's resistive touch. So it's kind of those annoying ones you have to bash into it. And funnily enough, the model I've got, there's actually a big mark in the corner where the guy before me has been bashing the screen in every time. It's like a big dint in it where he's been punching the exit button, like exit, you buddy. Yeah, it's actually so funny. So the 2630 is the Windows CE61 that Johnny is actually trying to phase out now as part of their broader, quote unquote, cybersecurity progress or mission uh, as you would the 4240 and the 4640 is just a linux version and then the 4640 is the bigger version of the 4240 it's kind of like the 10 inch and the 7 inch and then the 2630 is the old windows one so the new ones are actually flash you know there's a lot of actual software in there that's mission critical it's like you know you've got everything you've got potatoes parsley barley wheat apples oranges pears lettuce like i'm talking everything i'm pretty sure that's all in there but yeah there's a lot of features and it's got that got all types of seeds and like it's got to be able to do all this stuff so john Deere does charge a substantial fee for that product as they should because it's a pretty expensive thing these like panels right it's not just that they i assume are helping people control their tractors is there like data that they collect as well you know like hey this is david's route every august do they collect do they transmit that back to like a data operation center what's going on there 
Yeah, absolutely. It takes, um, correct. It takes all of your data and actually sends it off back to the John Deere Operations Center. That data is soil data, moisture data, crop yields, things like that, screenshots, you know, remote desktop. You can get remote access to them and things like that for the dealer process. But yeah, there's all sorts of features and data, which is, as we both know, and anyone listening, is the data is the new gold. John Deere actually has the opportunity to capture all of that data. I think that's what they're kind of doing at the moment, which is cool. You know, they might actually have some specific uses for that, obviously with trust and, and security issues that need to be addressed there, which is kind of like is reverse because last year I actually broke into that thing with the whole team. Um, we broke in the other way and now we're talking about it now. So we've already done that. Yeah, that's kind of why I was trying to get at it. It was like, well, it's collecting all of it. And you're like, uh, but but let us remember that a year ago we were talking about like, oh, yeah, I could just get into this thing. <laughs> like- yeah, last year we were in the mainframes and this year we're in, we're in the display. So the display is literally, it's just a tablet, the tractor. Think about your infotainment system in your car. It is exactly like that. That's all it is. And it, it has the ability to control the tractor and the tractor can control the display and vice versa. And the, there's another unit in there called the telematics gateway, but um, you can just rip those out these days. It's just for sending updates and things like that. So, How did you get these? <laughs> like, Because I, I am imagining myself, like you said, I think an excellent comparison right there, right? It's like the infotainment you know, console within your car that you know most modern cars have now. And it's like, here's your weather and here's your music and here's like some other cobbled together GPS thing. And I'm like, where would I go to buy that? Like, would I go to junkyards and be like, don't mind me, I'm just doing my thing? Like, would I go to eBay? Would I go to AliExpress? How did you get these? There's a bunch of different places you can go. You can go Big Iron Auctions, eBay, Facebook's pretty popular with farmers. But yeah, I think I bought mine on eBay, I believe. And John Deere's probably going to go scrape all the eBay listings in the last 12 months, try and find my username. eBay usernames have start out anyway, but they can have a crack. And it's not even a real name anyway, so... But yeah, so eBay, bought it off eBay internationally. So it wasn't even from the US. Arrived, top knit condition, except for the big uh, mark in the top corner that had been punched through by the previous owner. But yeah, pretty good secondhand. And that's kind of what the the notion of that secondhand unit, like the hand-me-down level of of the brand new series tractors. Like people need optics and mapping and GPS in the tractor. And they're not going to pay 700 grand for a new tractor when they can just get a new display or a second hand display off someone who has a 700 grand tractor. Some people buy the uh, the new tractors and then just sell the new display and keep the one they had before because it's, it's easier to use for them. But yeah, in essence, it's practically a brain of the tractor or combine and everything. And by the way, it's universal. It goes in all Deer products. So you can put in like, sorry, quote unquote all because Deer will actually do a... Um, sending an update saying it's not affecting all products. It's only affecting products with um, brains, like proper compute. So then like, what were you able to do with these? And this is, I think, you know, getting to a little bit about what you showed on stage, but I'm kind of not just curious about what you could access, you know, what you could do, what you could pull off, but also like, what is the risk of those things? Well, the word risk is probably, you know, subjective. I think there's one part about it. If you think about this for a second, right? So dear losing some dealer technician code database that the device carries that's supposed to be proprietary, but I can read it because it's in plain text, right? So say some databases on them that show me CAN bus codes, stuff like that, you know, really interesting stuff for repair people. Now, Deer would call that risk, but right to repair enthusiasts or right to repair lobbyists or proponents, right? Anyone who wants to do participate in right to repair would obviously consider that like anti-risk, you know what I mean? It's kind of like the opposite. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it depends who you ask, but I'd say cybersecurity wise, which is my hat, whether it be black, gray or white, it's literally that, you know, it's critical infrastructure. 
there are benefits, but um, I'd leave it probably up to CISA to define what should and shouldn't be a vulnerability in tractors. And that way, I'd rather get them saying than me. Because <laughs> <So that laughs> it's been pretty tense, as you can imagine, the last couple of months with John Deere and stuff. They came to my talk in, in uh, Santa Clara with Hardware.io, just came out in the video recently. And that was jailbreaking, not jailbreaking, sorry. That was messing around with the MTG, which is the telematics gateway. And Deere was actually there. And I met Deere in June, two of Deere's employees. They were really cool to meet, you know, they're really cool to meet. Uh, we had a couple of beers together. Except um, after, it's kind of like it kind of like phased out a bit because, yeah, this kind of came up and this is a way more fun. So companies around the world are pretty like switched on or maybe it just takes time for them to come around and say like, you know, you know how companies are like, they just eventually go like, oh, maybe we can actually benefit from hackers. Do you know what I mean? That sort of concept. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's just weird that it takes so long for some companies to get it through their head. I was going to ask, you know, you said you've met with John Deere and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into like how John Deere has responded through all of this, uh, sort of their, their coordination. But this story began, right, with like this guy who messaged you who was like really pissed off. And I wanted to know if you've been in contact with like, whatever we could call the farming community, which is enormous, right? But like, have you like messaged and have you just like, even on your website been like, look, this helps people. This is like a helpful thing. And all you have to do is X, Y, Z. Well, what's funny is like the jailbreak is kind of speaks for itself because I've kind of clocked it. And because it's gaming, right? It's also gaming. It's gaming. It's also cybersecurity. It's also kind of like automotive in a way agriculture, it's ICS, it's so many different things in one that it was a perfect storm to reach everybody, including farmers and, you know, the kids of farmers and the kids of their kids and things like that. It just, everyone's like, oh, doom, on a tractor. Dad, mum, like, holy crap, check this out. And then there's so many people that just reached out and they're like, oh, I showed my brother, I showed my sister, I showed my family, like, and they were just cackling. And that kind of feels cool, like, knowing that everyone's just laughing at home. Like, I've just sent this massive, like, like laughing gas or something like that. It's kind of weird um, <laughs> conceptually like that. But yeah, it's just, you know, jailbreaking that. It reached deep and it went straight to the tops of like all the ad companies have been talking about it internally from what I know. You know, people that have worked at Deer have reached out since then. They're like, oh, this is really cool. You know, people that work at certain associations that are associated with even anti-right to repair stuff have reached out and be like, that is so cool. Even though I work for X and I won't dox anyone because I'm obviously not in that game, but- you know, just cool stuff like that, you know, things that you would kind of be like, oh, imagine if that happened. They kind of happened because like I've had you know, ex-employees reach out. I've had um, you know, people on boards that are not supposed to be right to repair reaching out and going, keep up the good work and things like that. And even know that I'm not doing right to repair behavior on the front, that community and the right to repair movement is definitely taking up the research and obviously for good reason because it allows you to repair the tractor in full. <laughs> So that, that bypass was just one thing. The second part was fully modifying it, adding all this SDL and, and graphics drivers and things like that so that I could run Doom on there. Um, believe it or not, Doom actually needs some, some little graphics drivers, namely LibSDL, which is a pain in the, um, the butt. But yeah, once you, once you get that on there, you know, I don't want to give Deer any tips because I actually challenge them to getting Doom running on it. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if their next model actually comes with Doom on it as a clock back at me, yeah. <laughs> So we've mentioned Doom quite a bit here, right? And for folks who don't know what Doom is, 
please, I, I advise, go play Doom, right? Uh, uh, seminal, like, first-person shooter from 1995, I believe. 1993. Um, 1993. 1993. So, a lot of Sh- people know it, and they, and they recognize the sound, even, like, like the door opening. Like, the chainsaw. It's like... There's just so many noises in that. And apparently I've, I've watched some videos about uh, where the noises came from in Doom before. You know, they like come from a sample disc or something like that. But yeah, the classic 1993 game of the century, I think. Wow. It's like... I think that's a, fa- I think that's a completely fair like title right there. It changed like every single game that was made afterwards. <laughs> like Call of Duty and like even like Call of Duty, Backwards Quake, like all that stuff. Quake, obviously, but directly based off of um, what the work of Doom. There may be some, you know, Wolfenstein and things like that. And that's by id Software as well, same company, now owned by Bethesda, by the way. But yeah, it's kind of like that classic game that everyone knows. And that's why it's so fun to put it on devices, as you're saying, where people put it on pregnancy tests, kiosks, allegedly, tractors, lol. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Do you know what I thought about the other day? I'm thinking this time, like I think to myself when I was making this little wad, I was like, maybe this will go mega viral and people start talking about jailbreaking tractors next time and then like it actually happened i'm like whoa because like every article i've read is like we've run doom on pregnancy tests we've run doom on um terminals and things like that or or old radios and calculators and now it runs on tractors the trick is though that the tractor that i ran it on it's running linux so it's not that profound to me but it was very difficult to get it running and it was very sophisticated to do it and dear called it sophisticated like they've said it's a sophisticated uh, physical invasive attack and i go well, it would be weird if it wasn't. And they said also that I'd modified highly proprietary software or something like that. And I thought, well, I actually haven't. I've actually added software. I've added Doom to it. So I've actually augmented their software. And I didn't edit any of their files either. And they don't own Wind River Linux. So they may have a license to it, but I'm pretty sure it's open source. And I can download it. So I can replace their version on the drive with the one that I got from the internet. And they're the same. So they don't own that, if you know what I mean. That's, that's kind of that concept that I get at. It's like, can I download the exact same file and just replace it on the disk? Just conceptually like, is this proprietary or not? This is something I think about sometimes to define how much code actually Deer has. And it's legitimately, it's not actually that much. Yeah, sort of this like thought experiment, like the Theseus's ship, right? Which is like, you know, you replace one, you know, plank on a ship and then you keep doing that over and over and over again. And at which point, like, is it still Theseus's ship? Like, that's the thing. And oh, like, is that the, yeah, that's, feels- that's so cool. There's actually a thing for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like this automatically, right? Like our minds kind of go to like, well, like at 51%, then it's no longer the same ship. But it's like, why do we say that, right? Like, why does like, and it's because we're just kind of trying to grasp for things. Like, we, What's I the think answer we're going to that? Into, like, is it actually yeah. his ship? It's still his ship, right? It's still his ship. It's still his ship. I think so. Personally, I think you could replace every single thing. But if Theseus is still alive and he's running that thing, that's his ship. <laughs> like, <laughs> Does that mean John Deere owns it? Oh, hang on, that's wrong because John Deere doesn't own it. I that know, software. right? <laughs> Unfortunately, we went to a we went to a like a lame conclusion, you know. <laughs> no, it's actually good because John Deere doesn't own Tar and Gzip and all that stuff, so it's actually good. Yeah, so they definitely don't. Own it. Like, if I can recreate Deere's software, and they hate the fact that I can, and it's their fault for running it in Linux, but. You know, if, if there's things that I can do that um, farmers can actually use and utilize and improve, and SIS has reached out, obviously, and things like that. Like, a lot of people have reached out, namely one of them being SIS. And they reached out before the talk, and obviously, I was at DEF CON, so I couldn't answer my emails. But I reached out back after, and like, hey, uh, you got a talk coming up 
at DEFCON, just wondering if you wanted to um, let us know about the vulnerabilities prior. And I was like, yeah, I kind of just did the talk. Here's the slides anyway. So, but yeah, I did that with Deer too, actually. Deer actually had no idea about the talk before and they didn't know what anything that I was going to be producing other than what they may have heard or inklings of or seen on my Twitter feed because my Twitter feed kind of gives away a bit. Like I'm kind of like, oh, how do you fix this or how do you break not break this again next time? And then tears like um, been tracking me. So I think that I feel like I'm bullying them sometimes, which is really weird, right? If I go back over the last two years of news about me and Deer, it's literally just me doing lots of research and, and obviously other folks as well. But um, yeah, it's kind of weird. I feel like I'm bullying him sometimes, which is weird. <laughs> How has John Deere been throughout like the past year, right? Because like obviously you had a bunch of research that you revealed and, and that you showcased a year ago at DEF CON 29. And so I wonder how have they been since then? How's your relationship with them? Are they reaching out? Are they understand? It sounds like they kind of are, but just help me understand more of that, how that's been. So I physically met uh, two fellas from um, Deer in June who are pretty, they came to see me. They were the guys that I've been dealing with on the email. They came to see me, which is really cool. Like I'm talking, yeah, sea level. <laughs> it was really fun. But um, yeah, it was cool. We had a couple of beers and we had the, like, it was at a conference, like a hardware hacking conference, hardware.io. Awesome, cool conference. Like really cool, tight knit hardware hacking conference. Highly recommended, by the way. And yeah, it was cool to meet them. And then kind of like after that, they knew I was talking at DEF CON. I don't know if they did actually, but DEF CON was sort of coming up and talk got accepted. And yeah, and then kind of it just, they kind of didn't reach out, you know. They'll say that I didn't reach out and they'll say that they didn't reach out. But like whose responsibility is it to contact a security researcher that is literally on the main stage of DEF CON track one? Hang on, that's kind of arrogant, but <laughs> kind of literally on the main stage. Like just take me away from it, any brand, right? Just like, whose responsibility is it? Like, CISA reached out to me. Why wouldn't the vendor reach out? And believe it or not, like, I have folk at Deer that I talk to, like, internally, sort of. And um, I don't care if you mention that. Like, I don't care if that's public or anything, because they, they probably know that as well. But it's like, you know, whose responsibility is that? Like, imagine a vendor. Apple reached out last year to me for my for my other talk and said, hey, you sent us the slides. And Deer um, hadn't reached out since. Like, Apple says, like, oh, we can't, we've got no updates at the moment. But Deer just, you know, they don't really reach out. It's kind of weird. I mean, I am public enemy number one for them, allegedly. So they literally do nothing wrong. I just helped them get their hacker one ready. Like, you know, I was the reason they did it. And they're like, kind of like, anyway, it's kind of fun. Like, I'm having fun, obviously, if you can't tell. It sounds like a ton of fun, right? It sounds like like you're in this kind of weird rhythm here where like once a year you're like, oh, I can do this. And like... <laughs> the funnest part of um, cyber on new companies is seeing how they react. I think we mentioned it last year. It's just watching companies react. Yeah. And they react differently. Like, you know, SAP will be like, you know, like there's a public program, join the private one, you get money. And like, yeah, no, nah, thanks. And, you know, uh, Bayer fixes it next day, you know, things like that. Yeah. But Deer's like, it's like heaven and earth to get stuff done. Like in terms of, <laughs> like it was a month last time. And this time, like they're probably not going to fix it because it's kind of, it's not really necessarily, like a jailbreak is different to a full-blown remote code exploit or yeah. pop in their system on the web. Like, yeah, it's, it's completely different. Yeah, I think that's I think that's also like a good moment to understand like what you did. It requires a pretty high bar of like hardware technical understanding, right? Like it's not just <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I learned more this year, I think, than the last two years combined. And I think people should have that generally feeling every year. But you know, it was kind of like like to strive for something to you know, but um but I feel like 
I call them deerisms. So like it was me investigating deer software. And if you've seen Trailer Park Boys, I think they call them Rickyisms when he's like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the main character. Yeah, Ricky. Yeah, they have like just quirks, like deer quirks. That's probably the best for like quirks equals max. Like it's just really fun to see their comments. You know, the comments in the code and things like that. And I'm probably teasing him. I feel like I'm bullying him. I feel like I'm bullying deer for some reason. But it's kind of this thing that is this power that researchers have or unheard or unmentioned power or unchecked power where vendors can do nothing. Vendors are at the behest of researchers, zero days and things like that. Like, and that's the way it should be. Because if it wasn't, can you imagine this sort of NDA level BS that we kind of are getting at lately? But like, where are the good old fashioned hot drops on, on vendors? And obviously it's totally different now. You can't really do that. But this is a jailbreak. It's not necessarily national security risk it's not you can't do it remotely you literally have to break open the device you have to peel the screen off like you're fixing your own iphone and like if if you ask yourself would you completely replace the screen on your own own iphone and you say oh no i'll get the expert to do it there's your answer that's kind of like the breed of person who wouldn't probably jailbreak it themselves but they'd have a gel broken by someone else if that's a possibility soon wink wink but um, star asterisks but uh yeah pound sign what's next well, Doom is that kind of, like, as you were saying earlier, it's that meme, memorific. It's like the equivalent of saying something is Turing complete now. Like, you know, 60s, like, oh, it's, it's Turing complete programming language. Oh, it runs Doom. It runs Doom. So once it runs Doom, you know that it's capable of, of launching ballistic missiles and things like that. Like, it's, it's at that level where you can play games. And it actually, it's kind of a hint where the researcher says, like, you know, you know, I can do anything on this now. That's what I mean. It's literally that, you know, like, I can run YouTube. I can code on it. I can destroy it. You know, like there's so many different things you can do just because the fact that you're running Doom on it. Um, that's kind of the thing. It's yeah. That's the first time I've done that kind of like Doom running thing on a um, device too. Like trying to get it run on like IoT level stuff and fiddling around with libstl. And I can tell you now it's not fun. And it's kind of like I, just, I broke the, because D's got some archaic versions of SDL mixer or something in there. And it's kind of like really frustrating because it would brick the device. And so I did a few of those reboot dealer, dealer bypasses that I mentioned earlier. A few of those were committed. And it's like, there's so much damage that I've done in this board, but I'm at that level now where I could do it another, I could do it next go in the first 10 minutes. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of funny like that. Like a whole year's research, to, like I could do in an hour now. And that's kind of cool to think like that. But it's also like, there's a big gap if you think about it. Like you have to do that for ages to figure out how to do it. But it's not actually that hard. And that's what I kind of made the talk. I made the talk. Um, you'll be able to watch it on YouTube soon. Um, it'll probably just be sick codes, Defcon or something, or John Deere jailbreak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like a title that'll never be taken away from me, but it's also something that no one was thinking about doing. And it's also something that affects everyone and something that like everyone kind of gets and something that nobody knew about, which is farming, agricultural, like there was actually cyber in ag. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting that this is like the one, this is like the bell, you know, that you keep ringing. Because and like I rang said, it uh, a year straight. I've been ringing it, and no one's been listening. And I'm like, this time people are listening. But yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, that's exactly what I was getting at. That like you've been doing this for a bit, and no one else has really paid attention. And I think it's a, a just a a nice moment to kind of revisit it, like you know, because maybe not everyone has maybe read this coverage and not everyone has like listened to the last episode. Why do you do this? Like, what is the, like, what is the thing that you're trying to like get people to get? You know what? It's kind of like, first it was that guy and I was thinking like, you know, that guy. And then after that, I was like, why am I doing this? And as I was doing it, I'm like, this is probably going to go viral. And I'm like, well, let's just make it go viral, you know? And then it just did. And then it just happened. And then it was like, but it was a whole year of like the next milestone. It was kind of, it was broken into milestones. So the start was like, 
let's get cool stuff off the tractor display. And then the next milestone appeared right out of nowhere, which was, oh, let's get this working on it. And then, you know, then the next one come like, oh, let's try and disable that thing. And then, and then it just, the milestone keeps lunging forward. It's kind of like, that's kind of what keeps me going is the excitement. Of, I think it's the excitement of uncharted territory waters and things like that. And stuff people are too afraid to do publicly because they think they might get yeah, all sorts of different things. But, uh, there's, you know, there was a part where I was, when I was flying to the US, I'm like, you know, I might actually fly out of here next week. Like there might be some weird technicality, like uh, you've actually jailbroken a tractor. We use tractors as the airport. You can't leave the airport now. Something, you know, obviously not that, but just some wacky, like, <laughs> yeah. like you've broken the DMCA 5000 law, like there's some <laughs> random law. But then we go back to that theory that you had earlier, which was the one about the planks, like, Am I really jailbreaking John Deere stuff? Or I just am I just sticking a band-aid or a plastic straw into something that's already there? Like that's all I've done. I've literally added a plastic straw to a bottle of Coke. Sick. Thank you again for coming onto our show one more time and talking about all of this. No worries, man. It's been a mission of a year and I appreciate it. Really, really enjoy having it. You got a good audience and um yeah, I get a lot of feedback when um, I'm on your on your show, man. It's pretty it's been awesome. Like an honor, actually. To our listeners at home, we'll talk to you again in two weeks when we learn about how managed service providers, or MSPs, can help shape their clients' security culture. Until then, stay tuned and stay safe. And remember, you can read all our cybersecurity coverage on Malwarebytes Labs at malwarebytes.com slash blog. And please, if you like what you heard today, follow and review our show. Finally, our intro music is by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com, and our outro music is by Woa from Unminus.com. Today's show was edited by Eric Johnson from LightningPod.fm. Thank you, folks. <laughs>